0: Hey everyone, we're back with episode 137. It's Friday, the 21st of February, 2020. And by the way, uh, if you're wondering what happened to episodes 134, 135, and 136, not to worry, they are live. I just sort of forgot to share them across social media. So if you didn't know that they were published, well, actually what that means is that you're not subscribed to my podcast. Uh, So whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, now would be a good time to do that in case I forget to share them on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook again. Speaking of which, uh, yeah, go ahead and follow me if you haven't yet. So Autonomous Hogue across all social media. And uh, please continue to leave your phenomenal feedback over on Apple Podcasts. I still can't believe that two years running this podcast and I've maintained a solid 5.0, so that's pretty cool. Thanks very much for that. Right, anyway, let's dive in and get started today, because what have we got? Well who, what, when, where, and why of AVs, there's a new skin-detecting camera out of France, and, well, apparently Aurora is now giving the public rides in its self-driving cars. All this, right now. Hear that? All right. So to kick things off today, um, I was inspired by uh, an article over at Ward's Auto. The title is The Next Decade of Autonomous Vehicles, Who, What, When, Where, and Why. Um, And I thought that's a pretty cool way to approach kind of a high level, you know, look at where things are headed. So without actually reading what they've written, let me kind of do the same here. And I might touch back to compare what I've... Thought with what they've said, I I don't know yet. We'll see how this goes. Um, but yeah, let's let's start off with who. So who? Not in the sense of who's going to be providing these things, but rather who, you know, who will these vehicles benefit? Or to be a bit more grammatically correct, I suppose, whom will these vehicles benefit? So you know, it's a good question. Obviously, I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit in length over a multiplicity of episodes obviously, but it's nice to kind of have a bit of recap, I suppose. Right. So what's interesting is that I think I'd like to start with a simple approach here, which is simply that anybody who benefits from any sort of, uh, public transportation or taxi or ride sharing like Uber or Lyft, anybody who benefits from those will benefit from AVs because, well, frankly, if for no other reason, then, then the cost will be driven so low. In fact, certain estimates suggest that a, um, Let's see, that a shared electric autonomous vehicle should drive the cost down to something like three cents per passenger mile. This is a massive reduction to the several dollars on the upper end of the spectrum that private car ownership or certainly even leasing um, you know, resides at. So so having that huge, huge cost reduction is massive. But obviously the other benefit is going to be to those folks who are incapable of driving for any reason, either because they don't have an ID or because they are elderly or disabled or otherwise just incapable or just don't like driving and for these people um avs would again for the same reason that 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 public transit and taxis ubers and lifts are obviously a useful scenario a useful option well avs would be precisely that but even more on demand and frankly in many respects actually all respects a lot safer too and um certainly cheaper to the point mentioned a moment ago so i think that's kind of the obvious you know who's going to benefit the most. Um I, you know, it, it's, it's sort of easy, I think, to dismiss AVs as kind of a first world problem, but that's just not true at all. In fact, if you look at the promise for properly executed, and that's the key, the promise of properly executed AV deployment, which again is going to require properly fleshed out sharing models, you know, so, so private and, private ownership really needs to be disincentivized, Um, then actually AVs stand to benefit, uh, like, everyone, everywhere. In fact, arguably, even most of all in developing countries which are absolutely choked with traffic and congestion. But not just there. Also here, for example, in the U.S., cities like San Francisco, Boston, New York, L.A., these are all cities that desperately need a solution to the traffic Uh, problems and avs if deployed properly will help to resolve those eventually whether it's because they can do kind of bumper to bumper um peloton trains as it were right or whether it's going to be uh, more efficient routing of traffic Uh, if it's done right it's going to be massive unfortunately the risks are pretty high where if they're not deployed right then, frankly, things are going to be pretty catastrophic, uh, really bad, in fact. Don't forget that study from several years back between the BCG, uh, Boston Consulting Group and World Economic Forum that says that, that, that you know if, if um, AVs were deployed without car sharing, we'd see an increase in traffic in little Boston by something like, um, actually, now I'm forgetting the number, but it was quite a few percentage points, right? So it's really important that we get this right. Otherwise, things are going to get worse before they ever get better. So, so the next question is what, what will be the reaction to the first serious autonomous or automotive hacking incident? That's funny. I wasn't expecting that question. I would have read it as something like, you know, what'll be the first um, solutions out there, but okay. So what'll be the first reaction to the first serious automotive hacking incident? Um, well, annoyingly it's going to be pretty bad. Um, there's going to be a, you know, People are going to be up in arms about this everywhere, saying, "Yeah, see, AVs aren't safe," and "Okay, a car just got hacked, and it did this, that, the other." And I'm not suggesting that that there is the potential for real harm to occur. But, I mean, it, if we got so hung up on every potential downside to every bit of new technology that got deployed, we wouldn't really make any progress ever. Um, I don't know. What is what will be the reaction? Yeah. People are going to be really upset. People are going to be pissed off and it's going to probably temporarily halt things for a bit. Um, on the other hand, and this kind of goes to my point a moment ago, this question actually really kind of underscores the, the importance of my inclusion of the word choice properly deployed that AVs have to be deployed just so. You can't just kind of haphazardly allow a bunch of AVs. And by the way, for purposes of this discussion, we're considering only level four and level five cars, right? So level four cars, cars that can drive totally on their own without driver intervention in limited scenarios. Level five, of course, are cars that can drive anywhere all the time in any scenarios. Um, so, yeah. So, so it, it's imperative that they get deployed correctly. And part of that correct deployment is going to come down to what I've discussed many times in the past, which is regulation. And part of that regulation is going to be not just how the cars themselves operate or how they're designed and built, what sort of technology they're fitted out with, right? It's going to come down to things like what sort of security features do they have, whether it's hardware security, whether it's software security, whether it's connectivity security, whether it's cloud security, whether it's hardware and software redundancy, for instance, right? Again, looking at aviation as we always do, you know, having triple and quadruple backups, this is really critical stuff. Even Tesla has something like two identical main computer motherboards to handle the eventuality of one of them failing or being damaged or you know, what have you. So, but 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 this sort of thing, it's not just going to happen on its own. It needs to be mandated. I mean, sure, some companies will be proactive about it, of course, but, I mean, imagine the aviation world if we just said, oh, let's just assume that Boeing and Airbus and Embraer and everybody else are going to be proactive about it. No, this stuff needs to be mandated. And if it's not, well, yeah. So, so with respect to the first automotive hacking incident, so first of all, I guess what I'm saying is, in the event that we have proper regulations in place, then first of all, that first serious automotive hacking incident, it's the likelihood of it occurring should be rather small, and perhaps even vanishingly small. Alternatively, if it did occur, um, and if there's proper mechanisms in place, then there shouldn't be any serious... Fallout from that occurring. Look, all of this being said, though, <laughs> there will be AV crime. In fact, one of the things that I discussed in length um, in Munich a few months ago. Which, if you haven't caught that video, yeah, head on over and uh, just do a search for Matrix. Uh, I'll I'll share the link in the show notes, but you can find this also over on our website at hogandco.com. If you click about me, my profile, you'll see links two those videos, but one of the things that I discussed a lot was indeed crime committed with or by AVs, right? So that is not something which is different. In fact, I'm a little bit more concerned about that, I suppose, than just random negligence, right? Because I mean, look, people are committing crimes in cars and aircraft today. They're certainly going to find ways to do the same thing with AVs. That is, that is a concern, right? So, but, and it will happen, of course. Um, But that's true for any thing, any mechanism, any any mode of transportation, any vehicle, any object, any utensil, any utility is going to be used in some way for crime. This is just a fact, Um, which again goes back to what I've been saying. We have to have the proper regulation in place uh, so that we know how to handle it when it occurs and indeed to reduce the likelihood of it occurring, obviously. Right. So the next question, when, when will AVs take over the roads? Okay. Well, I'm going to kind of gloss over this because obviously we've talked about this from the very beginning of this, of this podcast two years ago, but look, my general feelings haven't changed too much. I still think that we're going to see level four vehicles start to be deployed in limited, very limited areas. Um, possibly as early as the next five years or so. So 2025 ish, certainly as we close out the twenties level four should be in wide deployment. Level 5 will start to be tested here and there and then really start to come on the scene during the mid-2030s, late-2030s. By 2040s and 50s, um, well, certainly Level 4 will be commonplace and Level 5 will be really taking hold nicely. And as I've said before, I expect a lot of this deployment to be, uh, to kind of get expedited due to regulation where sometime in the 2040s or 50s, we're going to start to see some, some mandates for... Um, well, how shall I say this? Uh, we're we're going to human-driven cars will not be allowed in certain conditions. Uh, it's going to be only AVs that are allowed. Um, and as I've said before, I imagine this to occur first of all on certain lanes of freeways, maybe certain boulevards here and there, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, actually uh, the, the the you know inner cities, right? The, the the downtown of urban cores. These will almost certainly Get rid of human driven cars as surely as they're going to get rid of uh, internal combustion engine cars. So but, yeah, that's the approximate time frame. I mean, to to use a kind of weird metric, let's use a Tesla metric. um, I would expect AVs to be deployed roughly the same frequency that with which Tesla has been deployed. Um, especially once they're mandated, but even before that. Um, so think about where you live. Think about how often you see a Tesla now. I think we're going to see the same thing with level four cars. Yeah, as I say, as we close out the 20s and level five as we ring in the 30s. So that, that's kind of my best uh, projection for when. Finally, where will AVs be deployed? Actually, not finally. <laughs> we still have one more to go. Uh, where will AVs be deployed? Uh, well, we just kind of touched on this, right? So assuming L4 is de- is deployed first, yeah, freeways, dedicated lanes here and there, bus lanes, that sort of thing. And obviously, first of all, yeah, freeways and inner cities. So we can kind of gloss over this. Um, The next and final question now then is why? Why should we care about autonomous vehicles when so much uncertainty remains? Really? That's the question? That's the why question? I'm not a fan of that question. Uh, Why should we care? As if the previous set of discussions weren't sufficient. I mean, look, I don't want to get into this again. I think we all know this now by now, but 40,000 people dying in the U S alone over 2 million worldwide. I mean, drive human driven cars are the leading cause of, well, let's see the leading cause of, uh, natural death, which is not disease along with suicide. I think I said that correctly. Um, I mean, it's like the most dangerous pursuit that any of us do in our lives. So, as I've said elsewhere before, many times, if it were any other thing, it would have been outlawed a long time ago, at least in in the public and you know public roads. so so yeah, if that isn't a compelling enough reason why, never mind the traffic benefits, the environmental benefits, the fact that all AVs will be EVs, you know, if only from a human point of view, I mean, I can't really think of a more immediately obviously compelling reason. Anyway, uh, I should say thank you to Jesse S. Halfon for writing this article over at Ward's Auto. He's an attorney in the automotive and products liability practice in Dykema's Ann Arbor, Michigan office, experienced in managing electronic discovery for class action and product liability cases, which frankly makes him somebody with whom I'd like very much to get acquainted. So if uh, anybody knows Jesse or Jesse, if you're listening by chance to this podcast, uh, please somebody do an intro for me on LinkedIn. Thanks very much what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so for this next segment, I want to talk about a pretty awesome company. <clears throat> They're based out of France. They're called Outsight. Uh, before I forget, their website is O-U-T-S-I-G-H-T dot T-E-C-H. It's And they've effectively developed a semantic camera. To put this into context, you might remember back in episode 91, We interviewed on this podcast Blair LeCourt. He's the president of a company called AI.AI. They effectively merge 2D and 3D camera tech to develop what they call biomimicry, effectively giving a set of sensors sort of semantic context and understanding. Well, Outsider doing the same thing, but frankly, I'm really blown away by what they've done. They've effectively developed a small-scale spectrometer. They're using a low-powered laser, which is um, sort of part of a single autonomous device. Uh, So presumably, it can be paired with existing LIDAR or radar, and it can effectively register the chemical makeup of objects. So if this sounds at all familiar, that means you're familiar with uh, spectroscopy generally. This is used quite frequently, say, in astronomy, where by reading the spectral patterns of, say, a star or a planet, we can determine what it's atmosphere is composed of oxygen nitrogen hydrogen and so on also in astronomy uh, spectroscopy is used to understand the direction objects are moving relative to us so in general everything in the universe the universe is kind of like a balloon and which is expanding and so everything is moving away from us um, and so everything's red shifted because the wavelengths are longer right so pro tip if you ever see a large thing which is blue shifted probably run the other way not a good sign So in this case, then the spectroscopy uh, technique by what outside have developed is pretty incredible because, well, not only does it let them identify whether an object is, say, metal or wood or plastic or whatever, it can detect whether an object is skin. Yes, it can now reliably detect a flesh and blood creature, whether it's human or presumably an animal. This is a really big deal because... The ability to identify conclusively whether a thing in front of the car is, in fact, human or, say, just a plastic bag waving in the wind, that's a really big deal. So an example of a false negative would have been the Uber accident back in February 2018. One of the questions was whether the the Uber test vehicle mistakenly identified the pedestrian and her bicycle as a plastic bag in the wind. In my case, I experienced a false positive once where a Tesla that I was driving along on autopilot, well, there was some foliage in the median, which was picked up by the car, and well, the car slammed on its brakes, and miraculously, the car behind me did not hit me, which was good. But it was pretty startling, not to mention all the ear piercing beeping that the car does when it disables autopilot and slams on its, its brakes in a panic so so yeah so if indeed outside is successfully able to detect reliably skin that's a really huge deal um look if anybody's listening at outside please do reach out it'd be great to connect with you if anybody knows any of the team at outside i would very much welcome an introduction All right, so to close out the day, just a brief segment on Aurora. So it's pretty big news. Um, they've just been given permission by the California Public Utilities Commission to test their AVs on public roads in California with passengers. Now, a bit of context real quick. So Aurora isn't actually developing their own AV, as in their own actual autonomous vehicle. Rather, what they're developing and sharing with partners is the entire hardware software stack they call this the aurora driver they're based in pittsburgh they have a presence in palo alto and san francisco and they were founded by the impressive trifecta of founders including sterling anderson drew bagnell and chris ermson formerly from google tesla and uber respectively so what's neat about this this approval they just received is that they just joined well only four other companies to have received such a cpuc permit um those include pony.ai um, which by the way I took a photo of one of their vehicles in San Francisco. you can see the photo on my Instagram account at autonomous hogue. Uh, so pony.ai waymo Zooks they were the first to receive the permits in December of 2018 and Auto X those are the only companies that have a CPUC permit. Now in case you're wondering what's going on here, there are 65 companies that have a DMV test permit generally which allows them to test self-driving cars, on public roads here in California. The difference with the CPUC is that it actually gives Aurora permission to use its self-driving vehicles to transport people. This is a really big deal, right? Um, There are, however, just a few limitations. For instance, uh, they cannot charge any money for the rides. They have to be free rides. There needs to be a safety driver behind the wheel. They have to, you know, provide reports with respect to passenger miles traveled, safety protocols, and presumably disengagements or any incidents whatsoever. And oh, yeah, the permit expires in January of 2023. Now, you're probably wondering, well, what are the vehicles, you know, what vehicle are they testing this on if if they don't actually develop their own cars? Well, that's not the point. I mean, the point is that they've got their stack. That's what's being tested. And in this case, presumably, we've often seen photos of them using Chrysler minivans and Ford Fusions, if I'm not mistaken. So it's obviously it doesn't really matter the car that they're testing. What, What they are testing is ultimately the the hardware software stack they developed. So anyway, I'll bring more information about Aurora as it comes my way, but suffice to say, this is a pretty big deal. All right, well, that is a wrap for today and indeed this week. Please don't forget to check out our survey on consumer acceptance of autonomous vehicles. You can head on over to hoagandco.com. Click the banner at the top. That's H-O-A-G-A-N-D-C-O. Meanwhile, have a wonderful weekend. Until next time, that'll be next week.